This is the Becoming Men podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Men podcast brought to you by thebecomingmen.com. I am your host, Ray Dillon West, and this is the podcast for men. That's it. It's a podcast for men. Guys, if you have not shared this with guys in your sphere of influence, you are doing them a disservice. This is a podcast for men on their masculine journey. Guys who are out there just trying to figure out a better version of themselves, the ones that are trying to sacrifice who they are today for who they will be tomorrow. Man, and I love doing this, guys. I love showing up and doing this week after week, especially when I see, and, and and don't get me wrong here, I would still love to do this if I had just like one guy listening and I would still put in just as much effort, but it's good to know and it's good to see that this podcast is now reaching 41 different countries. So I'm definitely pretty excited about that and I want to be able to connect with you guys. So right now, challenge for you, find me on Instagram at Ray De La Nuez. I'm going to go ahead and put that link down below so you can just go ahead and click that. You can multitask and do that right now. Um, and just send me a quick DM that says, Hey, I'm listening, or just tell me what you think about the podcast. I'd love to hear what you guys think. By the way, speaking of what people think about the podcast, I want to give you guys this week's podcast review of the week. All right. So this week's podcast review is coming from Callie and Carlos. It's a five-star rating. Mm, You know, I'm always going to love that. And, uh, it says great guidance for men. That's the title. And it says this guys, Amazing podcast for those searching for advice and encouragement. This podcast brings to light key points that will be relatable to men and their family. Most importantly, a man's connection with God. Callie and Carlos, thank you so much for leaving me that five-star rating. Guys, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and give me a, a rating, like an honest rating on iTunes, letting me know what you think about the podcast. That action, that little small action right there, those like two minutes that it's gonna take you to do that, can do so much in getting this podcast in front of other men like you who need to hear this stuff, who just need to be connected with all of the people that I've interviewed, with all of the um, just free resources that we have here at The Becoming Men and everything that we are pushing to do here in the near future. Guys, with all of that being said, it is time to get into this week's interview. And this guest, I'm going to have him introduce himself here in a second, but guys, you are going to be blown away by the wisdom coming from this young man and and everything that he's doing right now. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. Let's get to this week's show. Gentlemen, his name is, well, technically, William Trey Lamar Van Camp or Von Kamp Third. Dude, <laughs> what's going on, man? What's up, Ray? Dude, it's such a pleasure to be here, man. And we've been talking here and there for at least a year or so, right? So it's I've never actually talked to you like this before, though. So yeah. I'm pumped. Yeah, yeah. No, this is uh, this is cool. I, I I've been able to watch you on YouTube, watch what you're doing, and kind of like learn more about you. You don't really know too much about me. I just kind of like leave comments on your stuff, and we we just connect that way. But um, yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I know you, man. You know, so th- this is really yeah. cool. But you have. 57 seconds to introduce yourself, man. 56, 55. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I am a church planter. We launched our church in 2016, January 10th. So we're four years and still running. We're beating the odds of surviving church plants. So that's fun. I started, uh, I need to back up. I got married 2013. I have three beautiful girls. So happy uh, with the life that God has blessed me with. Uh, So four years ago, planted the church. Three years ago, picked up the camera and have vlogged my life. I've pretty much ever since I've never taken more than a 21 day break and that was an intentional fast and so I just love connecting with people online uh, specifically like your audience fits really well with the people I care about 
men in their 20s and 30s who I, th- I know you have a larger audience than that, but just me and you, you know, they say uh, you you get people 10 years older than you and 10 years younger. And if you get real lucky, 20 and 20. But anyways, uh, so my passion is just to help people remind them that Jesus is better. And so, yeah, it's been a fun journey as a pastor. And that's my my deepest calling. And I love to uh, use YouTube on the side as a way to encourage other people in my church, but also those who aren't anywhere near my local church. Yeah. And you're killing it doing that online, man. Like how many hundreds of videos do you have up? Yeah, I have. I think I'm at like 430 videos yeah, or something but who's stupid counting? like that. It's just you, YouTube tells you every time. But like, yeah, yeah, YouTube lets you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, that's so good. Like how many of us can say we've recorded 400 and something videos and published them, right? So the thing about creators is like you can record that many videos, but how many you actually publish, you know, you start getting into the into the insecurities and, and you start analyzing it and trying to get perfection and yeah. you get nowhere near that. So, so good. Right. On you know, man. that's what's funny. I think it's because of my father. Um, I know you talk a lot about that kind of stuff too. And my dad, I mean, he perfection has never been our enemy. Like it's almost the opposite. We're like, okay, maybe you should have waited a little longer on releasing that video. I've never thought, should I put this out there? I just I'm like, I got a train going. I just I I just need to keep making videos. So I love that. That's not my maybe it's maybe I should slow down. That's probably the, yeah. the side that I struggle with. But yeah. No way, man. You know, I, I was listening to uh, Jason Valentin. He's uh Chris Valentin's son. He's a, a well known um, prophet in the body. And uh, he said that he showed up to middle school actually thinking that he was like it. You know, like there was no idea or concept uh-huh. in his mind that he wasn't like the coolest kid in the world. And it, man, I want my children. I want that for my children. So I don't think that's a bad thing, man. You know, to have that like yeah. mentality of like, this is good enough. I'm good enough. Boom. Let's go. You know? Yeah, true. Yeah, for sure. So Trey, I wanted to get on you. Uh, uh, I wanted to get you on here because I think that you uh, would have the heart to really share this and be vulnerable in this. And so I I shared with you before that this audience here is between the age of like, you know, 23 to 34 large, primarily there's some outliers uh, outside of that. And so I want to speak to those guys right now. And if I could describe those guys listening to the podcast within that age group, they might have a child or two. And and I, you know, we have three each, they might be, you know, Mm -hmm. really getting established in their, um, jobs or enterprises, whatever business that they jumped into and, but they're not quite there yet, right? They're not Kings, but they're past that cowboy stage as uh, John Eldridge says. And they're really just, they're the, I mean, if they're listening to the podcast, they desire the heart of God and they Mm -hmm. want to know that they're doing a good job and that they're doing it right and that they're raising their kids right. They're doing everything that they're doing onto the Lord. And so I wanted to ask you, man, if you're willing to share, what are some of the things that you're struggling with as a 28-year-old man? You just turned 28 not too long ago. And and maybe we can just start with two things and then we'll unpack each of those. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I actually made a YouTube video, man, towards the beginning of this year, I was actually thinking about approaching 28 and I called it my quarter life crisis. And I think there's a lot of people going through their quarter life crisis in our age group and our age range. And it's really fascinating. Uh, David Brooks, he wrote a book called Second Mountain. 
And uh, it's super helpful for me. And it was talking a lot about uh, we were raised kind of like take the first mountain. And it's all about uh, the way we actually share it with our local church is uh, and it's it's an important part. You can't get to the second mountain without first going over the first mountain. That's why it's called the second mountain. Uh, but a big part of the second mountain is what we call you need to lean into your longings. It's all about finding your passions, finding your identity. And hopefully, um, again, most of us haven't, but hopefully by now, when you're 25, you you have at least kind of an idea. Oh, okay, here's the giftings God has given me. Here's my skill sets. Here's how I'm looking forward. Um, but David Brooks talks about how our culture, our society has not set us up for that kind of success at all. And our society is what um, Richard Rohr would call like a first half life culture. And so the problem is we, we so praise our first half of life. And at 28, you start to feel that like, I don't, my first half of my life is it's not going to be that much longer. You know, this kind of sounds dramatic, you know, technically what 12 more years or whatever for my instance, but I already am starting to feel that. And I think having kids really sped that up, um, had kids early. We already have three at, you know, and I'm 28. Um, but that's a lot that's on my mind and realizing, wait, it's the culture's narrative that the first half of your life is the best half. No, I, I think the second half is because we're closer to the Lord. I mean, so what we talk about and and what's been hard for me to try to, the first issue is I still want to just lean into my longings, but I think a sign of spiritual maturity is you now lean into your limitations. You recognize, wow. wait, my name isn't going to be heard everywhere. My job is to pour into these four, these 10, these 15, you know, no. exponential discipleship making. And so, you know, I, being on YouTube and stuff, it's a struggle. It's like I've made over 400 videos. People say it's helpful for them. It's like, how come God, I still, you know, I see some people, they've posted 20 videos and they're so much more quote unquote successful. They have a lot more vanity metrics to back them up. And so it's been like a humbling process for me and realizing, wait, at 28, do I, do I need to keep do I need to stop doing this? Because, you know, it's not like the results that the world would assume. I mean, 400 videos by now, you'd think you'd have way more subscribers and all that kind of stuff. And so it's really actually the hardest thing that I'm trying, I'm so desperately, I want to get better at is to embrace my limitations. Yeah. So what what does that look like? Yeah, like one pastor the other day told me, he goes, it took me a while, but I think he said when he was like 40 or something, he's like, oh, I'm a small church pastor. Because like forever, he's like, I, you know, oh, we're just going to grow. We're going to get huge. And he's like, I finally realized and everything got so much better when I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm a small church pastor. I'm going to enjoy the small church that God has given me. And I I, can't, I keep wrestling with that thought. You think, OK, God, you know, I we have a smaller size church. We're not I don't consider like a small church, but, you know, and it's like I do assume it'll get larger one day. And I think a big part of it is me growing spiritually in maturity. And, and another thing that I have a problem with at 28 is preaching to 70 year olds. I mean, God bless them that they come and listen. I get it. Yeah. You know, you guys have been through way more suffering. You've been through, you know, your Bible probably better than I do just by experience. Right. You know, I right. know it by head knowledge. And so that's a huge problem. That's what's really hard. How do you lead? I guess that'd be the second one. But again, the first one is just embracing those limitations. And I think actually people really respect when you just acknowledge that, hey, I'm not I'm not going to fake it till I make it. This is who I am. God made some to be mice, others to be elephants. You know, like people are given different size, different proportions of how much effectiveness, the kind of people they have and just embrace how God's gifted you. Why in the world would I want a, a mouse to try to bear the weight that only an elephant can? 
can bear. So it's like just kind of embracing, okay, this is who I am. This is the weight that God has allowed me to carry. Right. And I'm going to be faithful with few. And maybe that faithful with much, that much will look a whole lot different than I imagined. Yes, that's so true. I think, you know, how you started the conversation off talking about culture um, and what culture does. Man, I think it's so valid. And I hear this type of language coming from Brene Brown. I talk about her so much. She's one of my heroes. And one day she'll get on the podcast. I know she will. And have you ever heard of her? Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Oh, yes. Well, hey, Trey, how many books do you I get so excited when I learn about new people. How many books do you read in a week? Uh, At least around two a week. Two a week. So that's like over 100 books a year. Yeah. Gentlemen, this guy is reading over 100 books a year with three children. Yes, you did. I know. I know. There is a way to read 100 (laughs) books a year. I'll show you. And he's not talking about (laughs) audiobooks. I think this is what I brought up in the comment when you made that video. I know. Yeah, yeah. So I left a comment in that video and I'm like, well, what about audiobooks? I'm listening to them at like 1.5, 1.7 speed. And like, yeah, no, no, you you can't do that. But you're doing it. It totally counts. Yeah, I, I yeah. know it does. And and especially if you read it, if you listen to him twice, I think it's even more about yeah. valid. So oh, for sure. That's true. You know, so you are taking in all of this, uh, all, all of these books, you know, you're consuming this stuff and I want you to be able to consume Brene Brown's stuff. She's a okay. vulnerability research, right. right? She told, she talks about okay. vulnerability and shame and she talks about how we as a culture do a really, really good job at teaching, you know, self-shaming. We, we, we teach ourselves like, you know, right. This is uh, you should be better. Being ordinary is not good enough. And so you see people getting on Instagram. Mm. It's like just the fact that I'm just a mom and I'm just a wife and I'm just a small church planter or I'm just a church goer, you know, and, and I'll take it even to this. I'm just a Walmart cart pusher. Hmm. And I think we get lost in this idea that if we're not doing it big, we're not doing it right. And if we're right. not if we're not doing it big, we're not making enough of an impact. And so we start losing that being faithful in the little. And so again, I appreciate yeah, everything good. that you're saying about uh, how culture does put that thumbprint on us right from the beginning saying, hey, you should actually be striving for more, striving for more. Because we have people like, um, was it Elon Musk? A famous tweet of his is nobody changed the world within 40 hours a week, working 40 hours a week. Right. And that, you know, I don't know, because I'm pretty sure Jesus changed the world (laughs) three years and he was not working 40 hours a week. Right. Yeah. We talk a lot about that at our church as well. And that actually leans into. So so I would say there's so many dimensions. I want to put my pastor hat here. Um, You. The other thing we say at our church, again, we, we really talk a lot about the four stages of the Christian life. And so there's a first half and those are two stages there. Then there's a second half and there's two stages. And really the first half of your spiritual life is what you call active spirituality. Okay. So it is very much, you know, like read your Bible, you know, like yeah. pray, get in fellowship with people. It's a lot of active stuff. Serve your church. You need to do this. And 18 year olds, the worst advice they can get is just engage in passive spirituality. Don't do anything. Just allow God to work. No, you need to learn structure beyond. That's the other thing that in second mountain book, and I think even us at 28, you, do, I mean, you're in the military. So that's an interesting uh, compare and contrast. I'm an entrepreneur, you know, church planner. So I make my own schedule right. and I had to really deal with that, that struggle of wait, There isn't a teacher. There isn't 
wasn't a boss. There wasn't right. anybody telling me, here's how your day should be structured. I thrive on structure. And so the first couple of years of me being out of college and getting used to this new life was really hard for me. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I think until people realize you need structure, you need what we, you know, spiritual disciplines, spiritual formation, um, that act of spirituality is so essential. But there gets to the point where you do hit a wall. And actually, the um, a lot of theologians call it the, the dark night of the soul. And most people just stop interacting with God at that point. Because active spirituality can only take you so far. Doing things for God. And, and like I was talking to somebody the other day about prayer. And they're like, I just, I run out of things to talk about. I'm like, you don't let him talk to you? They're like... No, what do you mean? I'm like, that's half of prayer. Yeah. Half of prayer is being aware of God, allowing this like actual conversation, right? And so passive spirituality is really when you tap into the second half of your spiritual life is wait, the best stuff I can do is when I'm rested, yeah. right? The best stuff I can do is from a full night's sleep and just being patient. And I love Henry now and he says, I used to be frustrated at interruptions to my work until I realized that interruptions were my work. You know, all those kind of things, there's that 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 shift. And I think at 28, I'm trying to get ahead of it. Hmm. I don't want to fight at 40 saying, no, I, I need my, I want to, I want to embrace, if anything, I want to skip ahead and already embrace that second half of my spiritual life. Now, I think my kids will love me more because of it. I think my church will be taken care of and shepherded more because of it. And I think I'll love Jesus more because of it. Yeah. And so with that also comes like, I'm, I'm scared of death still. Like I, I don't want to die. I still got stuff to do. And so I've been wow. trying to like embrace death. Wow. That's one limitation to embrace, you know, that it's like, video, for me, I way. just, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, I really am. I want to not in not a morbid sense, not a suicidal sense, of course, but just, you know, being okay with death, you know, and I know like military, you've had to wrestle with that anyways. Yeah, you know, there's a lot it, of great stuff that military has prepared you with. But I still say this a lot, man. I It's so funny because I said those same words to my wife this week. I'm like, I know I should be like, okay with dying because I know I'm going to heaven, but like, I don't right. want to die yet. And then I'm almost disturbed Same. by that thought because I'm like, well, why don't I want to die? And it's because I, God, I feel like I still have more stuff to do. It's like, well, why do you feel like you yeah. have more to do, Ray? Is it because you're actually doing too much? You know? And so I get like in these rabbit trails and then you know what I do? I just depart the pattern. I'm like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. You're actually trying to embrace yeah. it and like come face to face with this thing. That's so uncomfortable <laughs> um, because, and, and I, I want to go back to one of the analogies that you made and maybe like talk about the dichotomy here. Like, okay. Some are called to be a mouse. Some are called to be an elephant. And I don't want to make this too yeah. weird, but like, what if I'm like a mouse, but I feel like an elephant, you know, like, or I feel like I'm supposed yeah. to be an elephant, you know, like I know the potential that's within me and I'm not doing, I'm not saying that because like my dad taught that to me, although that would have been extremely helpful. I'm not saying that because yeah. like I have, I had really good self-concept confidence growing up. No, like God is showing me like there is something in me and it's, yeah. it, I feel like it's like a bubbling brook and it's like welling up and it hurts to contain it. Right. That's biblical yeah, right there. I'm with you on that. So <laughs> I really think, you know, faith, so much of faith is a paradox. And I think you really start to get in, in our age and forward, you start to realize I, I need to hold on to both and, and we are such a dualistic culture. We're so either or. Right. And so it is that fair balance. So it's like, you know, um, when it comes to like, 
wanting to reach the stars, uh, we have to remember, humble yourselves and then the Lord will exalt you. But if you try to exalt yourself, the Lord will humble you. So yeah. you have that'll check us, right? But then, you know, Ephesians 3, 20, far more than you ever ask, think, or imagine. So you have to keep that in bounds and realize that. And I'm I actually, in my meditation this morning was in Psalm 25, and I love verse 7. It talks about how God, don't remember me because of the sins of my youth yes. or the sins of my past, but according to your goodness. And I think that's where it is. We need that passive spirituality, that reflection, because then we realize, wait, my power is not in me. It's in Christ alone. Right. And so I have this confidence because I am rested, because I'm not burning out, because I know it's not ultimately up to me. And if God may take me to a point and I just know that because it's Christ who's working in me, he'll use the next generation to complete mm. the vision God gave me. You know, so I think Ooh. that's like we need to have the greatest vision. Yeah. But we also need to have the greatest rest. Yeah, that's good. Man, I, I could just see myself feeling too insecure about that. Like, oh, but yes, the next generation, but like I'm here right now. Like, can I just can I just yeah. do it? Can I just carry it on? Yeah. You know? And, but, Why not? Uh, yeah. Try as long as you can. But I think it's that in 12 years and 20 years and 30 years, I'm gonna be okay to pass this torch. Wow. I don't want to be holding on to it. Man, you know, and so good. it's like, can I get ready for that now? Right. I want to already be championing my my kids and maybe you know? and maybe that's why a lot of ministries or you know people it could be even families don't um carry the torch well it's because right. they never taught that that next generation how to carry it well and so you have yeah. like like um you know paris hilton for example um and the hilton mm -hmm. family it, it's almost like her personality or her lifestyle doesn't match up her family's um goals and visions True. and uh right you, you know I want to do a good job there, and I'm sure most guys listening here want to want to do a good job. But how how do you even go there? You know, you're you're all you're just working on yourself right now. Again, you're still trying to figure it out yourself, but now you have to think about the next generation and 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 like the people coming ahead of you, and and then there's identity. But that's the best way to work on yourself, you know. So like that's the beauty, you know. Those who try to find their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will mm, find it. Man, and so it's that actually the best thing I can do for myself is not to make it about myself. Um, we preached on I preached. On Joseph, uh, man, I don't know, last year or something. And what's really fascinating about Joseph, when he got his vision, this is a good example. Joseph was so excited. He had this vision, you know, that, hey, brothers, you're going to bow down to me. And he got so excited and he told them, which Joseph is an incredible person, but that was a bad moment yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't right. You know, and like I grew up reading Joseph's perfect. No, no, no. Jesus is the only, Jesus is the only hero in the Bible. So we need to look for flaws. And this is a flaw of Joseph. He was flaunting. He knew he had this cockiness about him. Right. Hey, I'm, I might be the younger brother here, but you're going to bow down to me. Well, he misunderstood that vision. That dream was actually about him serving his brothers. Mm. So, so he actually, you know what I mean? So, so the way I put it this way is, God will do what only he can do when you realize your dreams are not about you. And so Joseph first interpreted that dream as I am on this pedestal. But what it really was is God's putting you on this pedestal so you can serve your brothers. Yeah. So you can love and care for those around you. So yeah. that's why like, I, I really, um, again, when we talk about the, the second half of spiritual life, we always talk to our people how we need to be redeemed from an impressive life to an empowering life. Mm. You know, and that, that's, that's the switch there. It's still empowering for sure, but you realize I, my, I, just, I don't need my name attached to any of this. Wow. That is so 
counterculture. Um, it almost can seem counterproductive because you're trying to produce <laughs> your, you know, you're trying to produce something that might even, it could mean income right now. Like that might be like your source of right. income is you promoting yourself. And like, please guys who are listening, like understand that, you know, that's not what you're talking about. It's like, don't promote yourself because that's bad. No, that's, that's not it at all. Uh, I put my name on everything. Exactly. Okay, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> but it's just how much of an identity are you getting from it? And if it was willing right. to go away right now, what would that do to you? What would that do? What would that do to your salvation? Would you still think that yeah. God is just as good as he was yesterday when you were in, uh, just overflowing with abundance? Every time uh, the three temptations really uh, in the desert, in the wilderness, is and it's all of our temptations that we have. Even First John two talking about um, the world, the flesh, the devil. Right? Um, it's our biggest temptations to claim our identity is what I can do. That's the big one for me. What I can have, and what others think of me. Those are the three defining things that we def- okay. This is who I am based on what I can do, what I can have, and what others think of me. And I think a lot of us, by the time we hit thirty, we thought we would have a lot more of all of those yeah, things. That's true, and it's what's destroying a lot of right. us. Man, eating away too. And then we see. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to know a good test of how much you fall into those three things, I would say for you married guys, look at your wife because mm. she's going to be a perfect reflection of. How uh, how much are you engulfed by these uh, three temptations, and right. how much are you being fooled by this? You know, like how much That's are so you pr- pr- you know pursuing what it is that you do, or what you can have, or what other people think about you? And if your wife isn't shining, it's for a reason. Um, and I, I said this right. before on another podcast uh, with somebody else. You know, if your wife is behind you, that's a really bad position. Like you shouldn't be looking back at your for wife real. to to uh, analyze her. You should be looking right next to you. So, absolutely. Um, you know, real quick, just to add this in there. You talked about a story um, and John, this reminded mm-hmm. me of something John Eldridge has said. He says, if your story ends with you, it's too small. Right. right? Like if you are the main character of your story, it's too small. When, when you were just talking about Joseph and man, I think a lot of guys that, that that's our problem. That is our problem. Um, yeah, I am number one. I want to say, mm. you know, to everybody listening to everybody watching, I am leading this. I will tell you my problem is that my story a lot of times revolves around me. My wife would be the first right. person to agree. And it's, it's usually brought up in conversations of like, Ray, you are telling me so many of your plans and so many of your visions, so many of your goals. And I am the center of it. And I am the, you know, mm-hmm. and man, <laughs> Give us some advice for getting out of that. Ooh, um, figuring it out, huh? <laughs> yeah, it really is redefining your priorities. Sometimes the answer is really simple. Um, I've actually realized there is so much joy in like what we're talking about marriage here. Uh, man, there's so much joy in watching your wife succeed. And if you haven't tried it, try it. Put all your plans on the on the back burner for six months and just see what happens. You know, um, when I, we were going through Ephesians 5 in our church and we talked about how it's actually man's call to cultivate the wife. Um, and, and what that really means, and it's totally contrary to even our society today, is it actually means your job is to make a big deal out of her, to, to bring her to, to holiness, to, to, to wholeness. And so that means you sacrifice things. That means you put things on the side. But then at the end of the day, it's actually not sacrifice. It will bring you your greatest joy. I'm a pastor. I 
get a lot of my identity off how many people come, how many stay engaged, who are taking their next steps, all that stuff. And I've learned time and time again, I'm a fourth generation pastor. So um, we, I hear, I know a lot of stories about ministry and I've done it myself. It, some of the closest people that you'll have, they'll backstab you, they'll leave you. Um, maybe it, it'll be ill intent or maybe they won't, but you always, hopefully you always have your wife. And not only should you give, you know, give attention to your wife because guess what? She ain't going anywhere, but she is so much more enjoyable than all those other things put together, you know, and especially, and if she's not enjoyable for you now, that's because you're not pouring into her. And as men, that's what it means to lead. We are, we are, we are supposed to be the ones that put that step forward and not wait for her to do her part. Yeah. You know, I just put out this little YouTube video and I, I didn't really mean to do it. I just did it because it was on my heart and I already recorded it. And I'm like, I could upload it from my phone. I got a new phone. And I'm kind of proud of it. So nice. Um, and yeah. I was just talking about passivity. It was just on my heart. And I think that the default yeah, yeah, yeah. for men is passivity. And I don't, you mm-hmm. know, my wife listened to it and it's like, May, are you telling guys that they shouldn't fish and that they shouldn't uh, golf? And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying at all. And I hope that anybody that saw it uh, doesn't think that. What I am saying is that guys like golfing and fishing and some yeah. girls can't stand it because of that, because we are okay with just like, this is easy and this is chill. Like no guy right. purpose, totally. purposefully like just says, I'm going to go after the most painful thing. Or mm. I'm going to go after this thing where I can get rejected and turned down. And, you know, like yeah. that's not our default. Our default is in like pursue, 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 pursue. And you can see that at the front lines of battle. Like nobody wants to get up and charge towards firefight, you know, but, yeah. but you need that guy. That's- I mean, that was Adam's, that was Adam's first sin. He was passive. He Boom. was there when the serpent was tempting Eve, but he just sat back and watched. Yes. And that was the, so he was the one who committed the first sin, not Eve. That's good. You know, because he sinned by not, it was a sin of omission yeah. and then she committed man. the sin of commission. So, oh man, that's so good. And so I, I bring that up because from what you're saying, you know, like with seeing your wife succeed and kind of encouraging her along, I think for guys, um, we get passive once the chase is over or we believe the chase is over. Like we got the woman, we got the kids, we got the house, we got the car, like we're done here. Like this isn't interesting anymore. And so now you go after the next best thing. And my wife knows when I'm getting too tied up into this thing because I'll start staying up at two, three o'clock in the morning for whatever that thing is that's replacing that passion that should be driven towards her. You know, and so for a reason, it was a business that I started and it was real estate. And then for another season, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, getting this set up and getting that set up. It was the military and it was that. So, I mean, hey, I just want you guys to know like, it's not something to be ashamed about and it's not something to be uh, to, to coward away from, but do face the fact that sometimes yeah. we let go of that first love uh, and we, mm. and because we fell in love on accident, we think like, okay, we're here. Like, no, you got to be prepared to like purposefully uh, grow in love and actually chase right. after that woman. So that, I love that you brought that up, man. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you know, we 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 swim in secularism. It's an i you know ideology. It's it's a religion. Honestly, it's where we put our hope in. And secularism has taught us, especially as '90s babies, um, you know that responsibility is the enemy. Mm. You know, the system is the curse. And so, like that's why we love nostalgia so much. We revert to childhood because that was when we had no worries. That's when we had no burdens or responsibilities. Yeah. And that is so backwards. There's actually so much joy in having responsibility. So much 
sports joy and putting your neck out there and leading from the front. Yeah. Um, but we have to, I mean, it's indoctrinated within us. So that's actually why I love doing YouTube videos like vlog style stories, because we don't recognize how much these stories that we grew up with, these movies, these shows really do indoctrinate us. And I don't want to sound like that, like homeschool mother, no, no offense to them, you know, but it's yeah. like, you know, we still watch stuff, but it is important to know the power of story. Right. And so that's why we're really trying, like I'm trying to share my life. And that goes back to the vulnerability thing. And so I've actually really gone to steer the conversation maybe a little bit different. Um, I, I struggle a lot in my age right now in my position of leadership. So I'm the head pastor. Okay. I struggle a lot with vulnerability and authority. And I think you need to strike the perfect balance of both. And so when I launched, dude, I was technically 23 years old when we started our church. I, I was 24, you know, a month and a half in. So technically 24, but whatever, technically 23. Okay. And so I just led with vulnerability. And so I was just like, I'm, I'm leading by being real, by telling my struggle, all this stuff. Right. And so it actually um, encourages people. I, I love being vulnerable. I have no problem with it. I mean, I've vlogged a lot of pretty vulnerable things and I find a lot of joy in it because you know, my identity isn't rooted in, in my work. It's in, it's in him. And so, sure, I can laugh at myself because I don't take myself too seriously. You know, my identity is not, hopefully, and again, by the gospel, you know, it isn't in, in what I do, what I can have or what others think of me. But at the same time, I've really learned, especially this past year or so, at the same time, our people, they need a leader. They need somebody who walks in authority, especially when things aren't going well. And especially right now in this pandemic, there's there's a lot of vulnerable voices out there and it's encouraging and I'm not discounting that at all, but you, there has to be that balance and I struggle trying to figure out what that balance looks like where I am both vulnerable, but also walking in authority, walking with confidence. You know, Jesus was tough and tender. Yeah. And so it, striking that balance is really hard. And that's why I like to like preach from just the Bible and we're just walking like this. It's God's authority here. And so I'm going to speak with confidence because it's his word. And so that helps me a lot. You know, I'm not sure. acting like I've been there. I'm like, this is just what the text said. This is what church history looks like. Here's what secular culture is. Here, here's the, you know, compare and contrast. But I think it's really important for our age. Um, it's important that we start to step up into the leadership God's given us. And we're, we're at that age now where we're really, you know, climbing rank. And yeah. um, it's that perfect balance of authority and vulnerability. Yeah. I will tell you that that is not an uncommon uh, struggle between those two things. And I mean, can you picture it for the military? Mm -hmm. I want to be a vulnerable man because I naturally am just, I this is my heart. I'm not a closed off guy, but I also have to lead troops and also, you know, kind of portray myself in a certain way, depending yeah. on the setting. Right. I can't. I, it, it's that's a, that's a weird one to navigate, man. I, I'm absolutely yeah. there with you. Um, so, I mean, like, what has that looked like um, most recently? I know that you said kind of go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm a book nerd. So I've been reading a lot about um, family and emotional systems and learning about triangling. There's this guy, Edward Friedman. He wrote this book, Failure of Nerve. And, and a lot of people have written books because of that book. Super, super helpful. But essentially saying how we're in an anxious culture and we're in an anxious system. And because of that, we're just anxious people looking for anxious leaders. It's not what we need, but it's what we want. And so we want other anxious leaders who are also so vulnerable and have no answer because it makes us feel better, but it actually doesn't make us change. And so um, it's good. actually really hard in our anxious climate right now to be that authoritative leader, but it's exactly what our culture needs. Right. But the thing that I've learned 
my authority, again, doesn't come from me. So what this means is I need to take care of my soul. I need to spend time in meditation, prayer, examination with God. And with that, like that's the intangible thing. When you have, when you are spending time with the Lord, you have this anointing about you and you can walk in that authority that God has given you. And so to me, that that's the name of the game. Like more than ever right now, people are getting rid of any healthy habits they had in quarantine. They're just, you know, whatever, ice cream every night, let's just survive. I think the leaders in this moment that are being born in this moment are those who are saying, no, in fact, I'm doubling down on some of these habits. I'm Sabbathing too, though, resting, enjoying God's creation, but also I'm going to make sure I discipline my body. I discipline my mind, my soul, my spirit, and 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 get some time with the Lord and get that anointing. And, and that's what people, they desperately need that. They need to hear a confident word, but not just based off of sweet nothing. You know, like, no, like this is what God is calling us to do. God's church has always excelled in times like these. It's going to hurt being honest about that, but we have a good God, you know? And so I don't have the full answer to it, but I know what I need to do most right now is be closer with the Lord than ever before and just walk in confidence. And really the thing that I've been learning is just being aware, God, who do I need to call today? what word, you know, um, this morning was first Peter five, eight, you know, the devil prowls around like a lion. And so I'm, and so was really convicted, man, I, I keep looking, examining God, what are you doing? But I also need to examine what is the enemy doing both to me and to my church and how do we fortify our people? There's a lot and it's not a simple answer, but hopefully that's a little bit in the right direction. I, I just think we, we can't being an anxious leader right now is applauded, but that is not what we need. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm getting a lot of that in my feed uh, or pe- people's responses, um, people's reactions, a lot of that. And I, I think maybe that's where you got that term, the non being the non anxious presence. Yes, from. I've repeated that, exactly that so many times. From. Yeah. Yes. We repeated that so many times. Can you break that down a little bit? Just a man. Imagine a man. He's in front of his family leading them right now through this time. And you, and you want to tell him, hey, you got to be the non anxious presence for them. Is it? Is yeah. it w- go ahead. Yeah, I love that phrase. Yeah, that's that's coined by Edward Freeman. And so we've been talking a lot about that in the life of our church. And again, you can't just make it up. It's not based off of willpower. It's actually like we were just talking about in the beginning of this podcast. A lot of it's passive spirituality, receiving that strength from the Lord, Ephesians 6.10, fight with the strength of his might. But it's, and it's, it's being realistic. So another book I read is called Managing Leadership Anxiety. It's a book about that book, but it's uh, by somebody, I forget his first name, but his last name's Cuss, which is shout out to a Christian, their last name being Cuss. Um, but, but he said, he goes, my objective when I enter every room is to be the calmest person in the room. So I'm not, it's impossible to be perfectly calm um, because we're fallen creatures. We're on the, you know, we're not fully mature, but I'm going to be the most calm person here. So I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I'm not going to react. That's a big part of it. We're not going to be, um, reacting. We're responding. So that's why Jesus, he didn't have to feel like he had to answer every single person. He would answer a question with a question or say nothing at all. I think right now in this season, there's some things we just need to let roll off our back. Um, another thing that he says is don't, don't get involved in, in a blame and a herd instinct. So what are the crowds saying and just jumping with the crowd, the mob mentality? No, we're, we're going to push back against that. And so it's sticking to the truth, you know, and just being okay. I know everyone else is saying this is wrong, but God's word said it's, it's right. So I'm going to believe it and I'm going to lead and, and say, this is what we're going to do. And that gets really, really hard. But again, it's the calmest person in the room. So like a situation, um, I'm 
I'm foreseeing, Lord willing, this doesn't happen, but what if a member of ours, you know, is ill, you know, from this virus or, you know, somebody else's family member, they pass away from this, whatever. Um, what I've learned from that book is when I enter that room, which again, this is even hard scenario because I can't enter the room. There's no, it's all social distancing, but bear with me. Um, when I enter the room, I, I should not be thinking, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? You get anxious when, because it's all unknowns. You don't know what they're going to say. And so you feel that anxious. Don't worry about what they're going to say. Don't worry about what you're going to say. That that all creates this anxious tension in the room. Come into the room and, and look for God. What is God going to do? And really, honestly, be slow, you know, slow to speak, quick to listen, you know, and I think that's kind of the mentality that, that God, I think, is looking for us and leaders. Non-anxious. I don't have to have all the answers right now. I just have to be present and I'm aware. Again, it's that awareness of what is God doing here and how God can you allow me to be a, a mouthpiece in this? My wife consistently points to this as one of my faults. I can't have a silence in the room. And so uh, I make other people feel uncomfortable because I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Right. And yeah. so the silence in the room, you know, if me and you were in a room, there probably would not be a silence. But right. because there's some more introverts, you know, I'll just keep talking and talking and talking and I'll just Absolutely. start bringing stuff up. And I'm like not reading them well that they just like they just want to be, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I don't need to say something. And so, guys, if you are like that, I mean, this might be a little difficult, but that is some great advice. Like you don't have to have every single answer. You don't have to fill the void and and build up, fill the void with something. And I think this really points to an insecurity of like, um, I'm just really uncomfortable with the silence here. I, I can't sit inside of my head, but that's the anxiety that you're talking about. It's like, but again, I say? if you're spending time with God silent like that, you'll learn how to be silent with man. This always begins with your relationship with God. Are you being wow. silent and aware with him when you're alone? It equips you and enables you to be silent and aware of him when you're with other people. Wow. That's good. That's really a, good. You can't skip the process. You yeah. know, that's what my spiritual director, I'm so grateful for him. He's like, Trey, you are a talker. You like to jump around. It's amazing. You persuade people by your excitement and your passion. What we're going to learn how to do together is to be silent in the Lord. I know this is hard for no, you, Trey, and it's so no. fun. And he's like, you got to learn <laughs> silence. And so he's like, pray. And, and he was the one who was like, um, he told me, you know, a year ago, you talk way too much in your prayers. I'm like, how else do you pray? You know, and so... It's just been such this really good journey um, that he's been taking me on. I'm super grateful for it. Wow. Huh. I appreciate you bringing that up, man. We have to talk offline about that because that is something I definitely have to work on. Um, yeah. So you you had said that being the calmest person in the room should be one of one of the um, one of those goals there, and yeah. you know that immediately makes me jump to uh, Jocko Willink. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Okay. So yep. Jocko's just going to really risen to be a voice uh, in this uh, discipline equals freedom uh, in, in, in the leadership realm. And he does that in the, in the military and outside of the military. So he's got a, a good sphere of influence. And, you know, I could not tell anybody how true this is right here. Um, for mm -hmm. when troops need, uh, you know, when troops need some kind of uh, affirmation that things are going to be you know, okay. Or, you know, how things are, how are things really going? They are looking at your face first. Yes. Right. As yes. soon as you walk in the room, they can tell Everything the atmosphere and what is actually going on by just so looking true. at your face. And so, uh, you know, I read a book. And you called, can't fake that, right? I mean, you, you have to gen, like, you can't fake your face. Not that exactly. well. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, you, you can't. And you can't hide, um, you know, the reality of what's going on by just trying to come in and, you know, maybe getting your voice a little bit more high pitch, a little bit more pep in the step. Like, no, first of all, that's going to ruin your credibility. And, and secondly, like, no, you, you need to be honest with these guys, but you have to show um, that discipline in being the calmest person in the room. You know, you got to be real. And Jocko talks right. to you about this a lot. Like, guys, it's not that good. I'm going to give it to you straight. You know, we're taking fire from here, there, and the other place. Uh, we already lost this person and somebody else is pretty critical. So yes. what are we going to do about it? You know, and, and if we're not going to, I'm not going to add to the anxiety. I'm giving you the situation. You're acknowledging. Yeah, right. exactly. So I'm not going to play, play it safe here. And that was, that was something I did when I was 23, 24. Mm. And I grew out of is this idea of like, everything's okay. Especially in my marriage. Like, no, 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 we're all good. We're going to make it through this. Don't worry. Right. It's like, nah, dude. You need some serious counseling. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I feel so bad for my wife. After every sermon, I'm like, did you enjoy it? How was it? And she's like, it was great. I said, that's not enough for me. You know, like, because you can just say it's great. I need like particulars. I need real actual examples here or else it's just sweet nothingness. You know, Trey, I showed my wife a video the other day. It was like 59 seconds. And I have to tell her, I'm like, babe, it's only a couple seconds. She watches it and she's like, wow, babe, that was amazing. I'm like, you say that every time I need. Yes, I did, give me yes. something else. She's like, good. It sucked. I'm like, God, babe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, so you know what's interesting about Jocko Willick, and I think even people, although he's you know ill right now, but I I don't I've I've dabbled more with Jocko than I have with this other guy, but Jordan Peterson. Paul dealt with uh, in Bible times. You have you have Stoicism and Epicureanism, yeah. and that's what we have today. So like Epicureanism has won the day, you know, of like pleasure, you know, the pursuit of pleasure. That's your purpose. Do whatever feels good. And I'm grateful that people our age, men, are like, wait, that that doesn't really work. But yeah. I think we're going to the stoicism side. So the way, you know, it's like if I just restrict myself, then I'll have this freedom. And that's true to an extent. Absolutely. I mean, that's what we need to learn. I like how the Bible is actually this like third alternative, you know, where it's like it's still not boasting in my works. It's still, you know, it's self-denial, but it's still enjoying him. It's just like this perfect mixture of all those things, you know, and so stoicism leads to depression as well just another side of it you know yeah, i don't know if right. you'd agree with that or not but like you know so like stoicism maybe leads to more like pride you know i don't know i think it all leads to pride no. and despair but i think you know going back to something that you said way early on is that we are a culture of extremes i mean you put different words to it yeah. but it's like we want one side or the other you know and it's just no we don't have to just pick this and that it's like yeah I look at stoicism and there are some things, man, that I'm like, yeah, that's how I want to parent. I would want to parent with yeah, that type really of approach. For sure. Yeah, there are and some I things. I love Jocko. I mean, most things I've ever watched with him, like spot on. Yes. Let's go. Like yes. a totally. Yeah, for sure. Right. But my mentor, um, you know, he hit me up one day, just randomly told me, he's like, you know, I really like, you know, listening to Jocko and some other guys. He named some other podcasts. Um, he's like, you know, I really appreciate how they do this, that. But he's like, but there's no heart. Uh, mm. I, he's like, I appreciate how you bring that, but you also bring the heart. And I, I think people are drawn to that too. I mean, we can't yeah. just come in and be like, we are the stoic. This is it. You know, we are right. the troopers, you know, like, no, no, we are actually flesh and blood too. Um, yeah. and, and we have this out going on. So yeah, no, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Trey, I love this conversation, man. I love that you, um, just took the chance with me and, uh, you, man just poured out your heart in this so i really do appreciate that and you continuously pour out your heart in so many different platforms and mediums and will you please share that uh, so that our audience can connect with you 
yeah yeah i appreciate that man yeah just uh look up trey van camp on youtube that's like the main sweet spot also instagram but uh just it's three words t-r-e-y and like you're camping in a van trey van camp and uh go check me out and i would love to uh interact with you guys in the comments and just message me anything and i like to interact with people that's why i do what i do i like to i wouldn't do any of this if there wasn't a community behind it that's for sure